Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, church. Happy birthday to you guys. 17 years ago, wow, I can't believe it. We set up, I said, set up 15 chairs. Who knows? So maybe somebody will come out. And uh, 17 years later, here we are. You guys uh, uh, bless, uh, bless me, bless my wife. I want Karen to come up, actually. You never get to hear from her this morning. And uh, this is my lovely wife of, and my girlfriend, She's been my girlfriend for 44 years and been my wife for 42 of those 44 years. So, <laughs> And she, uh, when we started this thing, we said, we're going to do this together. You know, we're not going to, we've been in church for a long time before, but we said this time we're doing it together. And uh, it's been wonderful. So she's been as much as anybody around here. <laughs> well, good morning, guys. It's awesome. I love the weather. <laughs> it's so cool, but I'm freezing, <laughs> but it's still good. Um, mm. This has just been an incredible ride the Lord's had us on. I'm sorry, I just get so emotional about it. Um, <clears throat> it's just been wonderful. Um, I thank God for each one of you, because without you... Um, there'd be no seacoast. Um, we just couldn't do it without you. So I'm just very grateful. And um, I also want us to consider that each one of you are so important. You're such a part of what happens here and what's going to be uh, now and later. And so don't forget that. Don't forget the part that God has for you here. Like I said, without you, there'd be no seacoast. So, you know, thank you. Tim and I could not do this alone. It would not be here if it were just us. So I thank you for being a part of the wall here with us. And just, you know, I want to bless you right now. So I want to pray for you, okay? Lord, I just thank you for your presence. Lord, it's just so real today what you've done. Lord, I just thank you for these people. Yes. God, I ask you to bless them with every good thing that you have, Lord. Pour into them, Lord. Let them give away what you've given them, Lord. Let them realize the price that you paid and how important they are as a part of this, Lord. And let us touch lives, Lord. There's so many hurt and broken people, and there's lives that you want us to touch, and you want to see changed and the hope of your salvation to come to them. So we thank you for that, Father. Amen. Amen. Thanks, honey. Well, I want to say thank you to everyone uh, this morning, too. All the food, wow. All the food out there. I hope you uh, get a chance to, to hang out, eat some more, maybe meet the third service. I hope you got to meet the first service when they were coming through. And I hope that both of you guys grazed through at the same time so you can meet them and maybe meet the third service on the way out. Uh, it has been a, uh, 
a wonderful, wonderful journey. And uh, I've, I'm kind of like when Phil Stroud, our national director, spoke here. He was like, okay, let's celebrate it, and then let's get our eyes set on the future and move on because God has so much for us to do. And I think that's very true. Over in Colossians 4.17, Paul is talking to this church, and he, as we've been saying over the last few weeks, as he mentions people's names in order to say thank you. I could mention so many names here. He says in Colossians 4.17, Tell Archippus, uh, and I want to insert the word the vineyard for all of you guys. Tell the vineyard, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. See to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. When I was reading this, kept meditating through it, during the week, it's like I could see uh, Jesus looking down on us, on our church, and having written out a, it's like orders to a group. Here is what I want you to do. And I even drew down in my notes, I've got these little people with their hands up, you know, and, and then this big, like Jesus handing it down to us and, and saying, here is the ministry that I give you. And, you know, it's very important to recognize exactly who you are as far as a local church. Who you are, what is your part to play in the bigger picture, because there's so many and there's so many things going on. And one of the, the sweetest things you can ever discover is to recognize what God is doing in your midst and around you, in your community, through the people of that church, and then go, oh, this is what you're doing, Lord. This is how you are blessing the community. This is what you're using me in. Now I recognize the ministry that's been given to us. And so I know that I can join you in it. So tell the vineyard on our 17th birthday, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Who was this Archippus that Paul was talking about? They think maybe he was Philemon's son. Uh, There's a little book in the New Testament called Philemon, very small. Actually, it's only one page long. So you can go and read this book in the Bible in just a couple of minutes. You don't have to tell anybody it was one page. You can say, you know, I read a whole book of the Bible today. It's just one page in this letter. And uh, they think Archippus, as I said, was maybe uh, Philemon's son. There was a church that met in his house. And when Paul wrote this letter to someone he really cared about as well, he wrote this in Philemon 4 through 7. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people, that's his church, and your faith in Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership, see the, the local church, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. What a description for our local church of what we do. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, and I'll say brothers and sisters, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So what a beautiful letter. And I, along with Paul, want to say thank you. Thank you for uh, refreshing the hearts of the Lord's people. All you those that are serving outside. And if you haven't found a place to participate in this church body, uh, as Chris said earlier, go out and find uh, there's tables out there. Go out and talk to folks and, and say, hey, I want to try to uh, help out here and serve here. Um, I want you to say one uh, word with me this morning. Can you say us together? Us. 
us. Sometimes we lose that sense of belonging and that sense that what we are called to in the local church is not just our individual selves. As a matter of fact, um, in, as I understand it, in, in our language, we do not have uh, a second-person plural pronoun like the Greek does. That whenever we, we read the word, the pronoun you in the Scripture, because we are such an individualistic people in America especially, anytime we read the Scripture and we read the pronoun you, we think, oh, he's talking to me. You talking to me? You know, and so you think it's me individually. But that's not always the way it is. So sometimes it's plural, it's you, right? But if you don't know that, you don't know who he's speaking to. And so we tend to make this faith walk and this journey so particular to who we are and not considering who it is we are together as a people. And learning to read the scripture with the eyes of a community lens, and that is that I belong to a group of people who are carrying on the mission that was given to it and to them is, is very important, understanding that. Now, as my young friend um, uh, Aaron McCarter, a pastor in uh, Tennessee, says, the, the South has given a word... Uh, we have created a word that will help us understand when you is singular and you is plural. Can anyone think of what that word is? Y'all, yeah. yeah, that's it. So if we read, you know, if we read First Peter 2, 2 through 5, and we, we read it uh, like you're doing your morning devotions, you would read, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, we would read that and go, that's me. He's talking to me. But those yous are second person person pronouns. So we're going to use the great gift from the south, in proper homiletics. It's our gift to good theology, right? Here it is. So we're going to read it the way it should be read. It's going to be on the screens. I want you to read it with me. Here we go. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it y'all may grow up in y'all's salvation. (laughs) Now that y'all have tasted that the Lord is good. As y'all come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Y'all also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. How about I look around you and say, hi, y'all. Do that right now. Hi, y'all. I know this is a challenge for many of you in our church because there's only like 2% of this church from the south. And, uh, and I'm feeling lonelier by the moment. I don't know. It's just so, so we are contributing something to understanding the scripture with our southern ease. When we read these scriptures about the church, it becomes obvious that one stone, when he talks about this wall, one stone does not equal y'all. One of us does not equal you or y'all. 
Matter of fact, Jesus is the only stone that can stand alone. And in this scripture, we find out how important the local church can be, that we cannot even work our own salvation out without having others with us. We can't even read the scripture properly if we don't read it with others on the journey with us because it becomes so myopic and so individualized that we don't consider the overall impact for a group of people. Suddenly it's all about us and it's not all, you know, all about myself and not about us. And so it's very important. The local church, I have not given up on it. Now, it's got to do some changing in the years ahead, no doubt about it, because culture changes and everything changes. The message remains the same. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who came and died for us and gives his Holy Spirit to us that we can experience life in him and share the life that he has given us with others. Man, that's the synopsis of this life. But we do this together. We cannot do this in a healthy way Alone. So I want to mention uh, three areas this morning that I believe that God is saying that uh, we need to pay attention to, and that is that ministries that have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Let me point out this wall, too. This wall is better than this brick wall because we know that none of us are that uniform and that in or- much in order, right? And I, you know, honestly, I don't want to be in a church that's in that much order. <laughs> I would rather be in one with a little character. You know, that's where we got to do some working together to get along with each other. Like your sharp edges bump up against me, and I go, ooh, you know, and let's let's trim those off a little bit. And you're together in this body. And you begin, iron sharpens iron, iron, so one friend sharpens another. And the church sticks it out, and, you know, it it takes some time to build a wall like that because every piece of stone is a different shape, different personality, different color. Everyone, and so it takes the master mason a bit of time of chipping and forcing into place. And I think that until we find ourselves in the wall, as Karen prayed uh, earlier, you know, we really do not find the fullness of what God has for us as individuals and certainly not as a group, as a local church. There is something very special about the local church. And so uh, what is God saying to Seacoast Vineyard on its 17th anniversary, on its 17th birthday? What ministries do we need? And I do mean we. Do we need to give ourselves to? In the vineyard, we have a, a very easy way of recognizing what God is doing and what we should give ourselves to. And we call it just kind of looking around you and seeing what the Father is doing. Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. But then he goes, that doesn't mean you just sit back, man, I don't see God doing anything. Because Jesus said, my Father is working, and I am working too, until now. And so the Father continues to work in our culture and work out in the streets and on our jobs and with our friendships and our neighborhoods. And uh, here are three things I really feel as, uh, as a lead pastor here that we need to give ourselves to over this next year. Your first one is this. And that is, give ourselves to the ministry, to the stranger. I use this term because it's a term that the Bible uses. It uses the word stranger. It uses foreigner. Uh, This morning, I I want it to simply mean what it means, and that is people who are different than we are. People who may speak differently than we do. People who maybe dress a little different than we do, have a different culture that they come from. Uh, I, Susan told me that in this church of 500, 550 or so, there are 17 different languages spoken. 
17, 18 counting Southern Ease. Counting Southern Ease, there's 18 in this church. I mean, wow. Now, I would have to be dumb not to recognize that God is doing something in our church. Because when he brings people in, every tribe, this is a biblical phrase, if you don't know the Bible that well, the last book in the Bible, God talks about the way it's going to be. And in the, in the last day when everything comes together and he puts it all back the way it should be, says every tribe and tongue and nation and language, every tribe and tongue are going to say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb. So when I look around our local church and I start hearing that there are different languages being spoken, different cultures, different countries being represented in our church, you know what I see? The kingdom. I see the kingdom coming. I see the rule and the reign of Christ because no longer are we homogenized and just, you know, our three, our four, no more. I'm not comfortable with just, just three or four like me, and that's how I'm comfortable. No, now it's the kingdom, the fullness of the kingdom showing itself in our midst, and that it's such a gift from God. Not every local church gets to experience that. Not every church. And not every church will even embrace that. Not every church will go, help me to welcome the stranger in my midst. Help me to throw out a welcome mat to those who come from a different country, a different culture, who I have to work at communicating with. I told the first service, I said, hey, if English is not uh, your first language, when we worship, sing out in your native tongue. I want to hear it because that's the way heaven is going to be. It's going to be full of every language, every tongue, and I want to taste the kingdom now. I want to taste what it's going to be like. And so we reach out to the stranger, to their neighbor. You know, hospitality in the Bible, what do you think of hospitality? We call our ministry the ministry of hospitality when the greeters are at the door. They certainly are. They welcome anyone and everyone that comes to our church. But I usually think of being hospitable as uh, maybe inviting your friends over, right, for dinner, people I want to hang out with. And, and so, you know, I'm a hospitable person. I enjoy being with my friends. But in the Bible, the word uh, hospitable and hospitality means welcoming the stranger. Now, there's nothing wrong with having your friends and family and people you know over, and certainly that's a part. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But there is a call to us as Jesus' body to welcome the stranger, to do the work of welcoming the foreigner. And God has, you know, God has some things to say about that in his and his word. Uh, five or six years ago, Stefan, a friend from Bulgaria, was here to go. He's still here, going, finishing up seminary. And we were at our old location. Oh, there you are, Stefan. Where is, no, no, you look like him. That's not him. But where is, is Stefan in here? You do, you look like him. Where is, is Stefan in here? He's not in here. I'd get him up here. But Stefan and I stood outside the old location, and he said, Tim, you know the nations are going to start coming to Myrtle Beach. And this was five years ago, and I thought that would be awesome. And we, you know, we may have prayed about it, and he went on the seminary. And when we got in this building four years ago, we stood outside, and we're outside the cafe, and he goes, wow, this would be an amazing place to welcome the students that come from Asia and come from Europe, East Europe and, 
and those that come in, we said, yeah. And, you know, I didn't think anything else of it, to be honest with you. I prayed about it, but as far as me getting in there and making it happen, I didn't. But you know what happened just a few years later? You guys have seen the video, right? What happened a few years later? Yeah, I mean, the, the cafe is full of students from East Europe, from Asia, China, all over. And uh, there's the names of somebody. I can't even say that. What is that? And, uh, and, and there, that's some of the name tags just from the cafe. You see, that was what God was doing. Stefan, God used Stefan to drop that in to the heart of this church five years ago. Then he dropped it again. And then Julia Boatwright and, and uh, Christy Morris and Susan Harrell and different ones come along and they pick, they see it. They have a heart for it. And then they step into it. God was moving us all along toward that direction. And we cannot be blind and go, oh, that was good, and then walk off. No, it's what God is doing. So we recognize it and we welcome the stranger. Right down the street is the... I think it's the Adult Learning Center. I mean, there are neighbors. You can walk right down the street. And um, you guys have been down there over the last few years, and you have thrown parties for the children of the parents who go in there who are trying to get their GED so that they can better their lives. You have paid for countless scholarships for those who can't afford the money to get their GED to try to better their lives as they try to learn English as a second language. You have done that. That is part of loving those among us who are here to be a part, and we welcome that. That is a part of our mission. That is a part of our joy to do that. Now, how do you deal with that? Well, you go see Julia. Julia, where you your hand over there? Where is Christy? Where is uh, Susan? They might be outside serving. Anyway, find someone, one of these folks, and say, I'm in. What do you want me to do? Pray right now? What's the next deal? Also, what you can do is in your work, around your work. This is not just here in this building. It's when you go out into your work area and you meet maybe a wait person, you know, a service person, someone who's in that industry, and you hear this different language, you treat them extra, extra, extra special nice. And you welcome them. And you're an emissary of Christ to say, yes, I am going to be a representative of that every tribe and tongue and nation because I, Jesus loved me. You know, you were a long ways off from God at one time. You were a foreigner to him. You were a stranger to God. You had nothing like him. You didn't look like him at all, did you? You were way off. And yet, what did Jesus do? He went after you. He went for you, and he welcomed this foreigner. Because I was off in the land of happy, sinful times, you know, away from everything that was godly, and God went and got me. He went and got me. He went and got you. Maybe this morning he has you. You should remember, just as God told the Israelites, you remember what it was like to be a foreigner, to be a slave in Egypt. Don't forget what it's like to be an alien, strange from God, under Pharaoh's control. Don't forget that because it's that same heart of appreciation and love that you have for God, for him rescuing you, that you can now turn and pour out to the other strangers around you. And we're around people all the time. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. 150 at any time are around us, 10,000 in our lifetime. And you, as emissaries of Christ are there to give the big welcome to the stranger. 
We cannot afford not to take advantage of this and to say, Lord, we received the mission. We received the papers, our call as a church. And uh, when I see it, as I said, the kingdom of God comes. Orlando Espen, a theologian, says, Welcoming the stranger, the immigrant, we could say today, is the most often repeated commandment in the Hebrew scriptures with the exception of the imperative to worship only the one God. And the love of neighbor, especially the more vulnerable neighbor, is doubtlessly the New Testament's constant command. And again, if you have a struggle with that, just look at how far off you were from God at any time. Every time I approach the communion table, I think about that. I think back to how far I was from God and how close I am now. And that God is continually drawing me closer now. But there was a time I was way far away. And so we want to be able to represent the big welcome of God. See somebody, there's so much. God may be speaking to you in other ways to bring our church uh, into this ministry. And and we're just beginning. We are indeed 17-year-old young teenagers in this. We don't know what we're doing, but we're doing it. You know, we're just like, okay, God, you're doing it. Let's give ourselves to it and let's go. And we're going to learn about it because you love people. And we want to love people. We want to see people come to you. Secondly is ministry to the church, to y'all. As you look around this room, uh, for two years now, the, the D word, discipleship, has just been in my heart. And almost every prayer I have is like we, we put a lot of focus on outward on outreach, outreach we do, but, but I feel like that this year also we need to remember that we must grow up. We must mature as part of the vision statement says. We want to grow up in purpose and we want to grow up in power. And by power, I don't mean power over people. I mean the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Power of the Holy Spirit over sins and, and over uh, things that beset us and hold us back from being everything God wants us to be. The power of the Holy Spirit, realizing that God in you is the hope of glory. And that the same Holy Spirit that lived and ministered through Jesus Christ is in you. And how do you know if God won't heal someone if you won't pray for them? Because the Holy Spirit resides in you. And so we want to grow up that way. We want to be able to realize that this is our time to mature as a people of God and We do that by being with one another. Like the scripture in 1 Peter I mentioned earlier, if if I had one stone and it's sitting out here, it may be you and your four, and you cannot build a wall with four stones. You can't. uh, Nick, can you put that picture of the wall back up there for a minute? Yeah. And that's like the small, I see this as the small groups and the friendships we have in the church that if we were ever going to be able to handle across the top the ministry that God has given us, we have to grow up. And the only way to mature is to be with one another. Be with one another. There should be an intentional ministry, and there is in our church, for discipleship, for being with one another. You don't do well alone. You don't. You get weird. You know, it's like, man, I'm tired of church. I'm just going to be my own church. Weird. Weird, just weird, weird. That's just weird. You need to be with people different than you because there's always someone probably healthier than you. There's always someone who has been through what you've been through and there's always someone going through what you went through and so you're always there and they're there and the only way we ever see this wall built is for us to commit to it. 
Find a group of people. We have a small group ministry here. Uh, Pastor Rick Harrell heads up, and he does everything he can to get people plugged into this small group. Listen, I understand that's a big commitment. I know that. I know how busy everybody is. But if we are taking this thing seriously, and we want to grow up in Jesus, we want to become mature believers, we have to put ourselves in a position of growing up. We must. Or we cannot carry out the ministry that's been handed to us in Christ Jesus. And so that means that we have to take the time. It means we give ourselves to it. The small groups, I understand their struggle. Well, I went to them and I didn't like it. Well, try another one. I mean, I've been to all kinds of small groups. The first small group I was ever a part of, uh, well, no, the second small group I was ever a part of was in a green, ratty station wagon with about seven other surfers. And we would sit at the beach, and we would throw the Bible out. This is back in the early 70s. And these guys, I'd throw the tailgate down, and we would sit in the seats, and I didn't know anything about this, but I'd read it. Nobody taught me much at all, and and we would just start reading through the New Testament mostly, and we'd read two or three lines, and all the kids, and I, I was so much older than them. I was 23. You know, I was very mature, been a Christian for two years. And they were 16, 18. And so we'd sit there and we'd just read two or three lines and we'd go, whoa, what does that mean? You know, and then we'd read another one. Whoa, what does that mean? But we got together and we prayed. And one of the guys, some of you have heard this story. I remember one day we, were, we got to some verse about uh, controlling our thought life. And one of the kids says, uh, he's not kidding anymore, but one of, he says, uh, hey, Tim, what if we invented these blinders that we could put on? You know, so that when we go surfing... We don't have to look at all the girls on the beach. We can just look down at the waves, and we can just walk straight to the ocean like this, you know. And that way, we don't have to deal with this. We, we can just kind of pull our heads down like this. And uh, we, uh, we probably should have invented that. But um, those kind of things are they're, they're priceless. I mean, those moments. But we were always urging one another on. We had groups in our home from... The day our children were born, right on till we brought them into our, our house. And I understand there, I've been to small groups where I needed depression counseling when I left. I mean, I understand there are bad ones. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. I understand you go to some and you go, oh, oh. You know, you're walking out and you're like, Tim wanted us to, oh, I can't do it. Well, hey, go to another one. Check another one out. Start one you're on. Find three friends people you know well, call them over to your house, get with Rick, say, Rick, I want to start my own small group. Hey, we're easy here. We'll put the tools in your hand, help you get, to, get it going, grab three friends, four friends, meet together. And uh, this coming year, we're going to work through, I just, I'm so excited about this. It's called Transformed. It's from, um, it, it's from Saddleback Church. It's eight weeks of what we deal with health in our lives. And this is the journal Isn't that a nice journal? It's leather. You work through these questions with your small group. It has places for sermon notes. Uh, I'm going to vineyardize this a little bit. And and we're going to take eight weeks of our church's life, and I'm going to want every small group to work through this so that we as a church family can move together. And uh, in this this small group, we're going to look at spiritual health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, relational health, financial health, and vocational health. And the only way we're going to get the most out of this is if we do it in small enough groups that we can talk, discuss, pray for one another. But when we come out of that eight weeks, some of you are going to have some brand new wonderful habits in your life. 
and some old ones are going to be gone. And then the push is to do this in your small group for three months. Press in, press in, press in. And give yourself to a quarter, just to a semester of giving yourself to it. And then when we come out of it, our church is going to be another step in the right direction as far as maturity. Man, I'm excited about that. So uh, that's, we have a ministry to one another. We have a responsibility to one another. You have been passed on a ministry in Christ Jesus to your life for y'all, to others, to the group, not just your four no more, to the church. If you're a part of this church, you have a community responsibility to be known and to know others and to give your life away and to be there. There is no way we can take care of one another if we don't do this. When we get sick, when we're in need, when we need encouragement, we will not know if we are not in one another's lives somehow. It's just the way God designed it. It's what he wants. And so, church, we need to embrace it like we embrace the ministry to the stranger. And lastly, we have a ministry to the Lord. And, of course, all of this is a part of the Lord, too. But when we worship together and when we give to the Lord our hearts, we do it as a group. There's nothing like the church itself together worshiping. Yes, he loves to hear you worship him by uh, yourself in the car, but you know what? It's funny that in the end of the time, again, it's every tribe and every tongue that he hears. When God smiles on that last day and his kingdom comes in fullness, it's every tribe and tongue that's singing worship. He doesn't point out a soloist and says, oh, I'm waiting for the soloist to walk up in the kingdom. and You know, and everybody... And everybody, you like that? And every, everybody just waits. Oh, it's the great soloist. No, it's not the soloist. It's the family of God. Every tribe, every tongue, male, female, young, old, every country, every culture. Can you imagine what worship will be like? And we believe in the vineyard that the kingdom has come in Jesus Christ that it has already come. The day you began your walk with Jesus, eternity started in your life. So let's practice it now. So when we see 17 different languages spoken in our church, you know what you're seeing? The kingdom. The rule and the reign of God coming to our church, the vineyard. Because that's the way it will be when he comes and all things are made right. That is the church you're a part of. That is the church that we love to be a part of and help lead. And this is the church that we're moving into 2015 with. So let's go with a heart for the stranger. Let's go for a heart for the church and for a heart for God. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.